0: This is a Thriving in Ministry podcast brought to you by Daily Pastor. At Daily Pastor, we know that church leaders want to be better equipped for ministry. You need encouragement to not just survive, but thrive in the place where God has called you. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the topic of church mergers, where two separate congregations are united and reformed into a new church body. Church mergers are unique situations and each will look differently depending on the context and location. Today, we are joined by Dr. John Mann, who recently led his church through a merger with another local church. Dr. Mann serves as a senior pastor of Grace Point Church in Texas, along with serving as a full-time pastor. He is the adjunct professor at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Dr. Mann teaches courses in preaching, pastoral ministry, and systematic theology. I'm Kyle Willis, and as always, we are joined by Dace Clifton, founder of DailyPastor.com. John, Dace, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me, Kyle. And and uh, John, I just want to ask you this question. I understand you're a coffee lover, a book lover. Kind of uh, growing up, I played the board game Clue. Have you guys ever played that game? Yes. You bet, Kyle. So when we look at that game, there was always, you know, a weapon and a room and something else going on. So, it, John, if you were the character and you had your cup of coffee and a book, uh, what room of the house, inside outside, are you picking uh, to just get away and relax? Oh, I don't even
1: have to think twice about that, Kyle. I would be in the study. In the study, all right, Dace. What in about the you? Study. I,
2: I could see that one coming. I had coffee actually with uh, with Doctor Man yesterday, and I just—I'm not a prophet, but I knew that was coming. Yeah, for <laughs> me, I, I would have to agree. It'd be the same thing. I, you know, there's a term that I heard a few years ago about. That type of man's room, the study—it's called the Boar's Den, right? And it's the it's the room where you've got all your stuff. You've got a desk. You've got some books. Maybe you've got a sword or a rifle in there. But nevertheless, it's it's the the den. There's a fireplace there. Uh, you know, Superman had his Fortress of Solitude, and for me, the study, the Boar's Den—that's where it's at.
0: Uh, I like it for me. Um, I'll go to the back patio. It's, the weather's cooling down now. Um, it's just a great uh, time to sit out, uh, enjoy God's creation. Um, and, you know, coffee is great. A little, little cream, little sugar. Um, I will take it uh, any day. So, hey, Dace, uh, why don't you go ahead and share kind of why you're excited about this topic of church mergers and, and how we're going to tackle it here today?
2: Well, I have been excited about this. The main reason is, is this is basically the opposite of what you normally see happening with churches. Most of the time, unfortunately, or sadly, we hear about churches splitting. We hear about a group splintering off to form a new body. And this is the opposite, at least in my estimation. I think this is the opposite. Instead of one church fragmenting to form two other churches, and and uh, now we have two uh, autonomous churches coming together, uniting to be reformed into a, new, uh, into a new body. So it's the opposite of a split. You don't hear a lot about this. And uh, I know that Dr. Mann's got some interesting experience and expertise in this area. So I'm intrigued by it.
0: And Dr. Mann, let me ask you this. I know we're going to get into it real deep, uh, but can you just give us a real quick background of um, what's been going on in your life and how you've seen these church mergers?
1: Yeah, Kyle, just before I answer that question, I want to back up and address something that you said earlier on. Uh, You know, you said that what you like to do is you like to sit on the back patio there and, you know, nice, cool day and you like to drink coffee. Now, I'm good with all of that. I like patios. I like nice, cool days. I like to drink coffee. I don't know why you want to ruin uh, that story by putting cream and sugar in your coffee. It was was a a beautiful story up until that point. But after you said that, you just kind of lost me. And so, you know, I would encourage you, uh, you know, and this this may go back to what Dace was talking about, about kind of that boar's room, you know, where you have a fire and and guns and all of those kinds of things. Uh, Brother, if, if, if we're going to be men you know, uh, that the coffee's got to be black. So uh, let me just encourage you.
0: Fair fair enough. I appreciate the encouragement. And (laughs) at least I didn't say I put honey in my coffee or artificial organic sweeteners, whatever. Very true. Very true. (laughs) (laughs) And and So uh, Dr. Mayor, we were talking just kind of about your background uh, in church mergers and uh, understanding a little bit of Better picture for our listeners here
1: today. Yeah. yeah, well, my background really is being developed as we speak. Um, I wouldn't say that I'd necessarily had uh, just a whole lot of experience in a church mergers, but the way that our merger developed, uh, there's a church about three fourths of, of a mile down the road from us. Uh, they had, uh, uh, you know, they sit on 16 acres. We only sit on about three acres. And so the problem they were having was they had lots of land, but not enough people. Uh, really to be able to continue to support the properties that they had. We, on the other hand, were landlocked. And so we needed to do some expansion and just didn't have the room to be able to do it. Uh, a few years ago, we began to look at a few pieces of property to see if we could find a place to relocate. And land just west of DFW was so far out of reach, there was nothing that we could do. And so we just, uh, you know, began to begin to pray, seek the Lord and uh, trust Him to lead us into something that would be able to continue to sustain the ministry and to allow us to grow. Uh, then uh, about a few months ago, I think it was about in April, uh, the pastor from this church right down the road from us just came to me and said, hey, we we both have problems and if we were to come together, uh, we may be able to solve each one's problems. And so what we uh, chose to do after a season of prayer, some Uh, congregational conversations, him with his church, me with mine, uh, we came to the conclusion that it was the Lord's will for us to seek to combine both churches. And so what ended up happening was the church that I was pastoring has now moved on to his property, uh, the property of of his church, and are uh, now meeting in the building of the church that he was pastoring. And I have become the senior pastor of of the two churches that have now become one church, and he has been serving as an executive pastor uh, as he's looking for what uh, step in the ministry the Lord would have him to take next. And so it's just been a wonderful movement of God. We're excited about the future, and we see some potential uh, that we were not sure that we would ever be able to see as uh, as you know, not being able to afford the land that we needed. Man, I love that story. It's interesting to me that it's really
2: evident that this is something that God had planned, not something that you manufactured. I mean, that's something I think it's really cool. And I want to talk a little bit more about this, but Kyle, I think we got a verse of the day. So I'm going to read this passage and, uh, and then we're going to jump into some specific questions related to, you know, what's been learned through the merger. That's really what I want to know, because this is, I mean, this is foreign territory for me. And, uh, so, Today's uh, passage is 1 Peter 5, 2-4. It says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering those uh, in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory man, this is one of those passages that I think speaks to the heart or near the heart of pastoral ministry, a ministry of shepherding uh, the corporate body of of, of Christ. It reminds me that it's a high calling. I mean, we're doing this for Jesus and and, and no other. Uh, It's a calling of service. We serve people through our leadership and our stewardship of this ministry. And then it's a calling, you know, sometimes this is not always in my mind, but it's a calling that's when it's done faithfully, is going to be rewarded by the chief shepherd. Uh, that's just an amazing thing. And I think this verse is appropriate today as we consider uh, this uh, topic of church mergers, because um, it's more than the legal ramifications of, of getting two properties and geographic. But you're, 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 you're talking about merging two bodies of people, two spiritual bodies underneath one new under shepherd being being Dr. and Pastor John Mann. And so there's just a lot of things that are going on here. So I'm excited about this.
0: That's right. And well, let's get to it. I want to begin by asking Dr. John Mann to kind of explain what a church merger is for our church leaders listening today. And uh, maybe even how you would have described that uh, before going through it. And maybe how the
1: definition has changed for you a little bit. Yeah, as far as the church merger goes, essentially what, uh, what we're looking at is, is we're looking at, uh, on the one hand, there are some legal issues, uh, but even more complicated than the legal issues are uh, those issues of, of what it means to take people of faith and to be able to bring them together. And so let me address that, if I might, um, from those two vantage points. Within the church merger process, uh, you know, you have two independent churches who are operating under two uh, tax IDs, five hundred one c threes, all of these types of things. So, with the the legal part of it, you've got to combine those properties under that one under a new legal entity. Uh, for that, we uh, you know consulted an attorney, uh, someone to help lead us through all of that. Uh, by and large, though, that was the easy part. The most difficult part is when you try to bring together the traditions, um, the the various histories, uh, the various cultures of two different churches and merge them together, two churches, but they're one church. And in order to address that, uh, what I did is early on in the process, when we as two churches began to meet together as one church, What we did, even before the legal process itself was continued, is that our very speech was that we are one church. And we would no longer talk about the church up the road or the church down the road, uh, but we would designate them as the East Campus and the West Campus uh, so that we could maintain just a conversation that is built around the understanding of unity. And so our sermons, our messages developed around that. Uh, Kyle, you asked the question. You know how how did my view of the church merger change throughout this process? And the way that my um, idea of the church merger changed. First of all, uh, to begin with, the church merger itself on the beginning end of it just sounded like an impossible task to me. Uh, I just knowing what is dear to the hearts of people both within my congregation as well as within other congregations i just knew that um that this was going to be a monumental task and so it uh, began with the idea that if this was going to work the lord was going to have to be in it Um, as we continued to walk through the process i initially appealed to what was my original congregation you know, we want to go in there and, and we want to be like Jesus. We we want to wash feet. Uh, you know, this is a church that has had a, a good history, but it's a church that is struggling. They're struggling financially. They're struggling with people. And in many ways, they're hurt. And so we want to go in there and and we want to come alongside of them and we want to wash their feet. We want to encourage them. We want to do everything that we can to help build them up so that they would be uh, just uh, feel, feel the encouragement and the exhortation of their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And as a pastor, I was prayerfully seeking to be very sensitive to the needs of both congregations, sometimes to subtly correct their languages. You know, we're not talking about us and them any longer. We're talking about us, and so i would make you know comments during the messages themselves let's um let's not use that kind of language let's let's talk about us not not them anymore my perception of the church merger always comes back to a realization that apart from the movement of god and this being his will it was an impossible task but I can stand on this side of it and and I can feel confident that this has been the Lord's will. Yeah, and just to provide some context for our listeners, uh total time frame, I
0: I really appreciate you sharing, you know, kind of how that journey has has been for you, but what's that time frame look like? I mean, this is probably not a 6 week process. Um certainly maybe with the legal part, but as you're shepherding your flock, how long has that time frame been? How long do you think it will take to um. really view uh, it as one church, I, I know you kind of hinted that wasn't an instantaneous uh, flip of the switch. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think the pastor and I um, had our initial conversation. I think it was early April uh, when we've had that very first conversation. Um, and then he and I prayed about it for a couple of weeks. And then it was in uh, May, when I approached my church about it and just shared with them the opportunity that was here uh, and invited them to pray about it. We, we weren't going to take any votes. We weren't going to have necessarily any um, official conversations. Let's just make it a matter of prayer. Uh, then in uh, the end of May, uh, about the third week of May, I think it was, we took an official vote. And we voted to join uh, congregations um, early on. Then in the process, I came down to the other church and, and I preached for them on a Sunday. And then on Father's Day, I believe that was what June the 9th. I think it was on Father's Day. We had our first joint worship service. And so we had that joint worship service and then we separated for a week or two. And then we jumped back and forth between campuses for a couple of weeks and then finally, by oh, the first week of July or so, uh, we were really meeting together every week in the one building. Now, throughout that process, of course, we had to, you know, name the church. We had to have a lot of conversations and walk through a process to do that. But it was just this last Sunday that uh, we worshiped together for the first time, uh, with our new name having been approved by the state of Texas operating under that new five oh one c three and so our our first, if you will, real worship service was just this past Sunday.
2: Wow, that's I love what you said earlier, uh, Dr. Mann, about how and this is my synopsis, if God's not in this or moving you towards this, that my interpretation is it's basically an impossibility and You know, Dr. Mann, I know you've been a pastor longer than I, but I've done it more than a minute myself. And I think about what some would call sacred cows. I think about unique traditions. I think about how each church has its own uh, history and way of doing things. And then even within the church, there are people that operate sometimes, you know, in different parts of the body and there's disagreements there. And then you basically... Uh, multiply that when you, when you merge two churches together, at least that's my interpretation of what would happen. And so it just reminds me, I just, it, it, it can only be God to do this successfully, but what a cool opportunity. That's, that's my thought on it.
1: Yeah, it has been, it's just really been, uh, you know, we've seen the hand of God, I think throughout the process. So let me ask you this, what would you tell
0: our audience, our church leaders about maybe the future of church mergers? Uh, do you see it Increasing, decreasing. We've seen a lot of change in church culture centered around multi-site. As we know, uh, new generation that is uh, upon us. A lot of times um, there are some of these churches that have have really grown and and, uh, really expanded their impact very quickly. So from my perspective, I feel like um, a lot of mergers may happen out of necessity. But let me ask you this. I mean, what do you see the future of? Uh, church mergers being, and then is that um, a great thing for the gospel, or is that something that you say is, is more out of a necessity um, and then we have to lead through it?
1: Yeah, I, I would agree, Kyle, that I think we're going to see more church mer- uh, mergers develop in the future, uh, probably for a couple of different reasons. I, I think, first of all, um, just where we are in regard to the, the context of our culture, uh, the cultural Christianity is beginning to wane, and what I mean by that is, is that is uh, that we're seeing fewer and fewer nominal Christians who attend on Sunday morning yet are not really invested in the life of the church. Now, on the one hand, we might lament, well, for many churches, that might mean that there's a, a smaller attendance, uh, and indeed, in some cases, that is true. However, with the 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 death or the weakening of cultural Christianity, I think what we're beginning to see is we're seeing a deepening Christianity. And that means that people are becoming more and more serious about the gospel and perhaps less and less committed to what otherwise might be some sacred cows. And, and I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for us to have a deeper Christianity um, even though for a season it may not look like we have a broader Christianity. Just in regard to you know some more practical aspects, as we begin to look at the the growing value, the increasing value of the cost of land and property, you'll see a number of rural churches who are sitting on acres of land that they may not be able to to maintain. And it would be a a shame for a a lot of those otherwise, uh, you know, historical churches to lose that property or to have to sell that property, perhaps into a similar uh, type of a business or a grocery store or something like that, when it could really be leveraged for kingdom work. And that's really what's happened with us. We've now received about 16 acres, and we can leverage that for kingdom work. And I think um, as our Christianity deepens and we become more committed to the gospel above all, to Jesus Christ above all, uh, we will see more and more of a heart to use the, the the gifts that the Lord has given us as good stewards for the ongoing movement of the gospel and the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Well, that's some great insight. And we've covered so much. Dr. Mann, can you tell us, uh, you know, what,
2: what advice would you give someone who thinks that a merger potentially could be in their future? And I'm, I'm going to just, you know, in my own situation, perhaps I'm just going to say, uh, you know, a pastor, you know, who is approached by another congregation. I mean, what things would you tell them to look for? Because it is possible that not every merger is a good idea. I mean, I can think about, you know, maybe if it's a church where the faith, you know, there's some things that could be incompatible. I mean, one church uses snakes, the other one doesn't. That type of thing, you know. So what <laughs> what things do we need to look for, you know, in this?
1: Yeah, well, I think you hit on one there. Uh, first of all, there's got to be some doctrinal fidelity. You know, we we've got to be unified around our doctrine. Uh, uh our confessions of faith must be the same. Over and above that, uh the pastors of each congregation must be able to recognize that they're going to have different leadership styles, different preaching styles, different discipleship styles, administrative styles. But those to some degree, though they don't need to be identical, they must be um, ones that themselves can be easily brought together so that the congregations can be brought together under one under-shepherd. Um, If there's too large of a leadership shift for one of those congregations, uh, there is in all likelihood going to be a major falling out. The third thing that I would say, not only the doctrinal confession uh, and similar leadership styles, but the third thing that I would say is that both congregations have got to see and understand and even desire the need. And so here, uh, you know, I would champion a congregational polity. I would champion a season of prayer for both congregations. They have got to know in their hearts that, um, that this is the Lord's will for their church. It is, a, as we said earlier on, it's a monumental task. And when it gets difficult and there are seasons and, and situations that get difficult, what each congregation has to be able to fall back upon is that we've done this because God has led us. Kyle, I, I've just been so
2: amazed just at, at what we've heard today. Just, you know, I don't know that there's many books that even cover this type of thing from a real practical standpoint. And I know this is going to help some other other leaders and that are really going to be faced with this and are going to have to pray through this. So, wow, what a great opportunity. Dr. Mann, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this.
0: Thank you, Dr. Mann, for helping us think through it. As I'm sitting here thinking about it, I would much rather us be talking about church mergers uh, rather than church splits. It's unbelievable to see um, unity in the church and those tearing down of barriers and fences that used to Uh, Divide us. It's great to see those torn down so that that God can work, that the Spirit um, can lead us. And so I appreciate you sharing that today. As always, we hope that you've been encouraged by this episode. If you want to help us grow the reach of dailypastor.com and the Daily Pastor podcast, we'd be so grateful if you could subscribe to our podcast uh, and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Uh, We would also be so honored if you would share this episode with someone else
2: in your circle of influence. That's right. It's been awesome to discuss church mergers today. Hey, I want you to have a great day. And if there are any topics that you'd like us to cover in future episodes, hey, shoot us an email at thedailypastor at gmail.com. That's thedailypastor at gmail.com. God bless. Have a great day. Here's how Daily Pastor supports church
0: leaders. First, register your email to get access to our latest content. Second, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media. Third, get the encouragement and tools you need. This is a thriving and ministry podcast. I know we're kind of talking off the cuff here, and and I want to stick us uh, stick to a schedule, but it was just really the, um, it's not just even like the land, right? But the caring of multiple buildings. I mean, I've had conversations uh, just in the last couple of weeks with pastors that are going, man, now I've got a hundred thousand square foot building. You know, we're doing community groups, set of Sunday school groups, whatever. Um, and it's really been interesting when we look at stewardship of finances uh, and facilities in particular going, man, I don't know that 20 years from now uh, will look the same that 20 years in the past did. And so um, it's really been interesting to explore, and I appreciate you, Sharon.
1: Yeah. Hey, guys, I appreciate y'all having me on. And uh, Kyle, I think you're uh, so right. I think, um, you know, what we're going to see in the future is we're going to see a new hunger uh, developed within the hearts of, of many people, a desire for healthy churches as opposed to just merely the existence of churches. And, you know, healthy churches, of course, are built upon Christ and built around the Great Commission. And um, I think that we're going to going uh, to see a new day uh, in the life of the church where we see a, a fuller development of spiritual health.
2: Yeah, I agree. And it's interesting, though, just the the transformation, though, that we're witnessing, you know, and I know that near the end, the next 20 years, you know, what is unclear now will be a little more clear, but you can definitely tell and sense. I mean, there's some cataclysmic moves, you know, that are, that are transpiring. I mean, literally in our generation and, uh, yeah. it's an interesting time to be alive, uh, but also unique challenges nonetheless.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Without a oh. doubt. You know, and I, I would agree with you there, Dace. So in no way would I argue that it's all going to be easy. But I think out of a lot of the conflict and out of a lot of the friction, um, you know, we will see a uh, just a, a greater desire for true and genuine uh, faith in the Lord and fulfillment of the Great Commission.